What is up, y'all? You are here with the Texas-Kansas postgame show. Texas, a dominant effort over the Jayhawks. I'm Kevin Dunn, alongside my man, Isaiah Collier. Zay, I've been waiting to do a show with you. You know how much we always have fun talking ball. So uh, we appreciate you being being here and obviously part of the fam. Likewise, my friend. And yeah, I'm glad to do it after a big time win like that going into a very important week next week. So yeah, it's going to be a lot of fun. And you're my guy. I love talking ball with you. And yeah, I'm glad it's after a victory. That's for damn sure. Yeah, really, especially after the first half. I mean, Texas led 13-7 after the first half and it just felt like one of those games that Texas has been in before where they really dominated the game. I mean, Kansas had four possessions in the first half inside Texas uh, territory. Texas had, I believe, 23 yet missed a field goal, had to settle for two field goals and Zay at the half, it felt like another one of those where a lot like the Alabama game, Texas has dominated a lot of this game, but there's not much separation. Yeah, and you didn't see any panic. You know, in recent years, there have been a lot of panic and just you lose those games for former Texas teams in the last decade and some change. And this team, they just have a different mentality, KD. Like, they know what's at stake. They know where they're ranked. They know that the Big 12 is wide open for them to win on their way out to the SEC. And you see that mentality from week in and week out. Even if they're not clicking from the start, Steve Sarkeesian, what we haven't seen these last two years they figure it out in the second half and they just wear teams down and you could see Kansas those dudes were exhausted and Sark Jonathan Brooks hell of a game they just kept pounding the ball and that's why we saw 40 points on that ass yeah exactly no but I think you're exactly right I mean it's still 95 outside and we know the Kansas rush defense had been pretty good but Really, the question was, how are they going to be tested against probably the best offensive line and best run game that they face? And they faced a couple of different rushers. We'll get to Quinn Ewers here in a second. I didn't realize my boy had that had that uh, type of speed. But they wore out. We saw USC. We saw USC do that too, to where um, they they ended up wearing out a little bit too. And let me get off here because I'm on ESPN.com and it's playing an ad. But um, we saw USC's defense wear out and. When you don't have depth like Texas has shown on both sides, you get in that third and fourth quarter and it changes. But, Zay, you bring up an even bigger point, too, because one of the criticisms of Sark, and especially at Texas, was second half. They seemed to stall. But this was a great example. They went back there and made some adjustments and came out and and really took it to them. Yeah, they did. And now it's going to be the question of can Texas face an actual starting quarterback and get the job done? I mean, you talk about some good luck for the Texas side. I mean, you've got multiple quarterbacks that you faced this year. It's been the backups like you've been preparing all week for Jalen Daniels. And this dude has back spasms. So Jason Bean, bless his heart, he comes in and tries to do the best that he can. But, yo, besides that 58-yard pass, they basically locked him up. Jalen Catalan rocked his world. And if Daniel Highshaw wasn't there to scoop it up, then this score would be a little different. But, yeah, I going into next week, we'll see how Dylan Gabriel and those Sooners look tonight against Iowa State. I don't really expect them to have much problems there. But Dylan Gabriel might be the first real quarterback you faced all year when you're facing a lot of these duds. I guess you could count Jalen Miro as the starter, even though they had their problems with Alabama. But yeah, like all you could do is handle what's in front of you, KD, and this team is doing that. And I think, like I said before, they know what's at stake, so they're not leaving anything to chance. They're going out there and handling their business. And besides Burt Auburn, I'm not really worried about this team at all right now. Yeah, I mean, uh, JT Sanders, that, that's my biggest worry, and it was the rest of the game, which is says a lot about how they're playing. I just know how what all the stuff he does and the problems that he presents to a, a defense and defensive coordinator. So we'll find out about the ankle. I didn't like him screaming. Burt Auburn is certainly a question mark. Uh, you know, it's weird because Kansas rushed for 124 yards, but they averaged five a pop. And early in the first half, even though I mentioned they had not gotten very far, they popped a couple on the outside. So with for Texas defense, it feels like, especially on the ground, they haven't given up anything. 
maybe there's something there that, that Oklahoma looks at and, and can play on. But we're obviously just um, nitpicking right now because um, I think your point is well taken and they've gotten some lucky breaks with with quarterbacks not being there. But what like they got last year against OU. <clears throat> but I, I'm not sure that it would have been that big of a difference because we saw there may have been a little bit of a difference, but we've seen the Texas line lines of scrimmage for the most part really show up. So they did average five a pop. Would, did that bother you at all? Or were you at all in the first half when they popped some of those outside runs? Um, a little bit, but they cleaned it up. Pete Kukowski, he kind of figured yeah. out what Kansas and Andy Kolonicki, their offensive coordinator, was trying to do to him. They were getting them on that triple option, that old school type of game. And I know that you miss a lot. And uh, yeah. hey, it was working. That's some old school type of ball right there. Like, really was, yo, you don't see that very often. I think it caught this Texas offense, or excuse me, Texas defense by surprise a little bit, especially doing it with Jason Beam, like Jaron Thompson on that touchdown where Highshaw uh, got the fumble when Catalan lit him up, Jaron Thompson gambled. Like, he gambled yeah. thinking that he was going to intercept the pitch instead of just making the tackle and hopefully somebody could come in and if Bean, uh, excuse me, Bean would have pitched that ball, then they would have been there. But, yeah, once they got that all figured out, you saw how difficult it was for the Jayhawks to start moving the ball and they had to throw it because they had to play from behind and not too many completions out there. You know, losing Ryan Watts, you talk about losing JT Sanders, that hurts. If Ryan Watts is out for next week, well, that's something too. As good as this secondary has been, Ryan Watts, he's the main guy for, uh, you know, Pete Krakowski and his defense for a corner standpoint. So I don't know how much that will affect this team down the road. Hopefully you get both of those guys back sooner than later. But just the adjustments being made, man, I cannot just – I, I got to focus on it. That's such a big deal because last year it was such a problem. Like they were putting up 30 points in the first half at times, KD. And then in the second half you would see three, maybe six, and then the defense would give up a ton. And it's like are you adjusting to their adjustments? It's been just night and day this year from last year and that's very exciting because that's what you got to do to win championships around here yeah no i hey i'm with you man i i will take the we give up some stuff early and you make the adjustment and it's not happening in third and fourth quarter that shows that they're obviously moving in the right direction and defensively once again uh, you know when kansas now anthony hill gets the the rough in the passer at the very end otherwise they probably pump there out of their own end zone they were already waving the white flag and you know at that point you just try and put a drive together but when they got down to the texas 35 that was as deep as they'd gotten all game yeah. so even when they are hitting some stuff early on and you're exactly right with being there to back up quarterback but tell you what that kid can fly like yeah. he, he may be straight line faster than jalen daniels now he doesn't present those problems and doesn't i don't think has that football wiggle right now but when I saw him fly on a couple of those, including the touchdown where he got hit and fumbled, I, I thought, man, this could really be a problem. But the Texas defense just made sure that wasn't the case. And and you got to give Texas credit on, on the flip side of that. You know, we can go ahead and if you want now, I mean, we've got a couple of these to give away. But I'm thinking that, you know, offensive player of the game, if uh, let me see if I can get that up. Here we go. Offensive uh, MVP, I should say, is uh, brought to you by Verde's Mexican Perea. I have not been there yet. I've heard so many good things about this place from a ton of people, including people at work. So I'm going next week. But it's off Hamilton Pool Road, off 71. It's in Spicewood. Beautiful area. Great Tex-Mex. So thank them for uh, for sponsoring the offensive MVP. You know, we could go Quinn Ewers. He looked good. We could go. Adnan Mitchell, but we got to go Jay Brooks, I'm thinking, right? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah. He uh, should have had 200 I, last week. I was thinking the exact same thing, and he should have. And, you know, he's taken it to a different level. You can tell also just how confident he is right now. He ends up with 20 carries for 217, an 11 clip, and two touchdowns, including a long of 67. And – all of a sudden, when you've got that going, we know the offensive line's there, but they know they're running back. And they've got guys obviously behind that. We saw that with uh, with Baxter and Blue that can come in and really support him. But it feels like he knows this is his job, Zay. And you know this. I mean, heck, you played at a, at a high level. 
you know that when you're playing well and you get some confidence that all of a sudden you feel comfortable at your spot, you can do some different things. And it feels like he's doing that. Yeah, and he probably felt slighted when Sark named C.J. Baxter the starter in the Rice game. You know, when you're out here waiting for Bijan Robinson and Roshan Johnson to go to the league and you're waiting your turn and they bring in the bright, shiny new toy and C.J. Baxter, the five-star coming out of Florida, and he gets the job, you could use that as motivation. Yes, you want everybody to eat your teammates. Absolutely. You want him to do well. But these guys are still competitors. Like, they iron sharpens iron. So seeing that early, I think Jonathan Brooks looked at that and said, yo, man, when I get my opportunity, I'm going to show them that I should be the guy. I should be the guy going out with the first team every game. And he solidified that. Like he is RB1. CJ Baxter is coming along strong. I thought he had a solid game today. But I think that Jonathan Brooks sitting behind Bijan Robinson all these years and watching, watching somebody that dynamic, just that elusive and that good. And also with Roshan Johnson, the way that he carries himself as a leader, how hard he ran. Like those are good models to idolize and try to like, you know, mock your game after. Now they're different backs but you can take bits and pieces of those guys and you can learn and apply it to your game and I think 24 he's done that at a superb uh, superb high like that dude he looks good right now and you're right KD he is confident like he knows he's the man and yo just the breakaway speed that a lot of people didn't think he had that 58 yard touchdown ain't nobody touching him on that one he had that what was it 80 something yards one in the first half I don't know if it was that long but the dude is finding those holes he's making those one cuts and he's getting north like there's not a lot of shaking and juking and going east and west no man it's all about going north he's gonna make you miss tackles and he's a man on a mission right now and shout out to this offensive line we thought that Cole Hudson going out yeah that would hurt but at the end of the day DJ Campbell he had that one penalty he's been solid so this offensive line you gotta salute them because they played a huge role in Jonathan Brooks having 208 yards and if the horns could have that balance attack that we saw today their first time putting up 40 points all year then ain't nobody in the big 12 is going to be able to touch them man yeah dj got the hold you know there are so many flagrant holds that i see all over every saturday if i see one more guy on a third and 14 because it's a blowout still get grabbed like this because he broke through the line of scrimmage call a damn hold it's holding call it And they don't, that one was, I I see what they were calling. And he did, he was holding him back. I don't know if he was actually holding him, but I see what they were calling, but call the flavor ones. I'm going to go old man here and and just say like, call those. But yeah, the run game has been, it just continues to kind of take that next level. And one thing with Brooks, we know he has a breakaway speed, speed. We know he can go 22 miles per hour. The athleticism is there. But I think part of him getting more comfortable and just getting more reps and, and getting more real reps like this is the vision and the patience where he does get north-south, but he's letting stuff really set up and he's seeing stuff. His vision and patience um, really, really has me excited that, that I everything that everyone was talking about with this guy and that we'd seen in real small time, I, I get now. And then also on the run game, you know, anyone who listens has listened to me knows that, you know, my three favorite college quarterbacks are Vince Young, Charlie Ward, and Tommy Frazier. What do they all have in common? Now, they can all – they're all all can beat you with your feet. Right. Yeah. <laughs> right now, I mean, two of them could really throw too, but but it's 11 on 11. You know, I mean, I just – it's an easy math game for me. And, yeah, we've seen 10 on 11 win at the pro level with Tom Brady and at the college level. But – with Quinn Ewers now being able to really show that, shed those pounds, and that's two weeks in a row now, Zay, where he's parked one where I think most of us, and including the defense, the most important people, the guys on defense thought, whoa, whoa, I didn't see that coming. That adds a different element. I know he's not VY, he's not Colt, and I know that's not going to be a big part of the offense, but if stuff's covered and he can get first downs like he did later in the game or park one like he did to start the game, that really changes stuff. If you're the defensive coordinator trying to think, oh, man, we were we were having tough enough time getting 11 on 10 and making this work. Now it could be 11 on 11. Yeah. Yeah. And what defensive coordinator goes into the game plan like we got to stop Quinn Ewer's legs? 
Oh, yeah. That's the last thing. Yeah, right. <laughs> that's, that's the last thing that I'm worried about. So now that's on tape. Like, that has to terrify you. And, yeah, of course, JT Sanders not being there, that's going to hurt you. But I have full confidence in Gunnar Helm to get the job done for however long JT Sanders is out. But you're right, KD. Like, Quinn Ewers utilizing his legs the last two weeks and just having that confidence to take off and run when things break down, that's huge for this offense and just to keep moving the chains because that's one of the most deflating moments for a defense, especially when it's a white boy like Quinn Ewers who you ain't expecting to run like that. Like, that's so deflating. And when he got that 30-yard run, it's like, oh, man, it's about to be just open season on their ass all game long. And they couldn't stop them. Like the Jayhawks were huffing and puffing. They arguing yeah. with each other after that yeah. Adam I Mitchell touchdown. They arguing with each other, holding each other in the, the pads and stuff, shaking and yeah. stuff like that. Like they were so just disgruntled and discombobulated. And you gotta love it. Like you gotta love it. You we haven't seen the home field advantage work to Texas favor all season long from Wyoming to Rice, both of those games, even though they took care of business in the second half, we just haven't seen it like we should today. We saw it. You mentioned that how hot it was earlier in the show. Like it showed for Kansas. It really showed. And Texas with the way that they rotate guys, especially on the defensive side, they were able to stay fresh and, Adonai Mitchell, man, this was, I know against Alabama, he had a huge game, two touchdowns, those deep shots, but man, he, every pass that went his way was a catch and he was making guys miss 141 yards, 10, uh, uh, 10 receptions, that touchdown, like he was going to work and Xavier Word, he did his thing too. So what do you focus on if you're a def- defensive coordinator preparing for Texas each week? Because now Jonathan Brooks is getting going. Like what do you take away? And this balance attack, this is what I've been looking for for Steve Sarkeesian because it just hasn't been as balanced as you wanted, even with – Bijan Robinson, it wasn't. It seemed like he right. threw way too many times. You go back to Oklahoma State, Quinn Ewers going 19 for 49 with the horrible temperature and the messed up hand and shit and just all this other stuff that shouldn't even be an issue to where Sark, hey, that number five, he's going to be a first-round pick in an era where you don't take running backs in the first round. Maybe you right. should give him the ball. Now Sark's doing things that make sense, and it's what the defense gives you. So if the defense is going to give you all of this – then take it. And I think he has confidence in all these guys to make plays. And it's very refreshing as a Texas fan and somebody that gets to cover them. No, it is. Uh, And by the way, he was a top 10 pick in an era where you don't take him in the first round. Like he was that. And people aren't bitching about it now. They're like, yeah, (laughs) that never happens. Usually two games. And what were you doing? Hey, it's even more deflating when it's a white boy who had a gut and a mullet a year ago like that. As someone who's been beaten by those guys, it really it uh, burns it a little, a little bit more. Say, all right. Yeah, yeah, it does, man. Oh, that makes you want to stop eating uh, Chick Fil A too, man. If I can move like Quinn yours, that dude's out there just swifting around and confident and looks good. Just his moxie, KD, like. You, yeah. It's just night and day what we see yeah. with Quinn Ewers from last year. Last year he had that deer in the headlights look a lot, you know, just kind of, man, this might be too big of a moment. Now he's thriving in the moment. He's embracing it. He's hyping the crowd up. He's just so locked in and so confident in this game and that leadership. It's rubbing off on the rest of the squad, and that's why I think you're seeing – these dubs just come so easy in a way because their quarterback is as confident as he's ever been. Yeah. It felt like last year was during the headlights or almost like an apathetic look that you just wondered what, what's going on here. Um, and it may be a similar look this year, but there's definitely poise. There's confidence. It doesn't seem too fast to him. It seems like he's prepared. He's ready. He doesn't flip out. And I think that's been one of the big things about when the offense doesn't get started the way that they want it to, that that he's obviously very calm. And at the end of the day, that, that's your point guard, man. That's the guy you look at to make sure that, you know, you kind of usually will feed off their energy. And I think they have a lot of those guys. So he's been, you know, outside of the pick, I thought he played really well. And look, he, he now goes down as the, uh, what, the second longest streak 
of pass attempts at UT without a pick. So behind Sam Ellinger. So pretty impressive. He's obviously made strides. They're going to need him next week. And he played, you could say, the best game of his career against Oklahoma. And he's made a lot of strides since then, say. So I think they're going to be really confident, and they should be going up there. But I think the key to playing Texas right now is as crazy as it sounds, because you you should think, all right, take away – well, JT Sanders may be taken away, but take away the deep threats and take away Mitchell and take away Worthy. But I think you got to stop the run. I think they're that two-dimensional. And if they're two-dimensional, you're not stopping Xavier Worthy when he's running 18-yard uh, comebacks, deep comebacks. You know, any cornerback in their right mind, there's not a cornerback in, in college football that at that point after 10 yards – doesn't flip the hips, bail, and run because you have to because it may be an option route too. So if you sit on that, his ass, it's going to be a 60-yarder and done. So these guys got to bail on that stuff. There's a lot of underneath crossing stuff they're doing with A.D. Mitchell. I almost felt like Sark, and I don't know, but I almost felt like with the three catches to start the game off with that, that you know, Adonai is one of those guys you want to get going and get him going early. And I'll give him credit when that hadn't happened. He still makes big catches like Alabama. But let's get him going. Get him in there right away. And they did that. And, heck, like you said, he finishes with 10 catches. Most other games that I've ever done postgame with, Adnai Mitchell is your player of the game. Yeah. Yeah. And that's crazy. Like them being two-dimensional, them being this versatile, that's scary for the rest of the nation. And Quinn Ewers, if he just takes what the defense gives him, if he doesn't look at Xavier Worthy and just have eyes on him the whole time, then there's going to be a lot more open. And I think that's the maturity that you're seeing with Quinn from year one to year two. Year one, uh, Xavier Worthy, he's my roommate. He's the only one I trust. And you're Next receiver might have been Casey Kane. I haven't seen Casey Kane in a hot minute. I hope he's doing well and stuff. But Casey Kane was kind of like that next dude. And it kind of just shows how deep they are now. I know Jordan Winnington's out there. But Adonai Mitchell, what he brings to the table, especially with Xavier Wordy and all the attention that he gets. Like, you're right. You have to watch number one because that dude's so damn fast. You don't want to get toasted. And you don't want to get embarrassed. So you'll give up the underneath stuff and try to make that tackle because that's all you can do with the speed that's on the field. So if Quinn has the patience, if Sark has the patience to say, hey, they're giving us this, then fine. We're going to just move the ball methodically up the field. And, hey, we're just going to beat them to death. We're going to keep them that defense on this field. They're going to get tired. They can't stop the run. The run's going to open up the pass. And, yeah, they're just clicking, man. They're out. Absolutely clicking. So now they're actually dealing with some real adversity. Like JT Sanders, that's a big deal. Like that dude is a freak. Yeah, that dude's an absolute freak. I love Gunner Helm. Like Gunner Helm, here you go. This is what you wanted. I've been hearing in the offseason and stuff about Gunner Helm coming up to Jeff Banks and the coaches. Like, yo, I get it. I'm a good I'm good at blocking and I get it. Number zero is going to be a first round pick. I understand, but I'm pretty good, too. So let me get some love. Throw me some passes. Throw a bone my way. Show me some love coaches. Well, Gunner Helm, you got your wish, bro, because I don't know. That injury looked bad. You were talking about how JT Sanders was screaming. I don't want to hear that at all. Hopefully it's not a high ankle sprain. And, you know, you and I you and I know that, man, that that'll take you out for. You know, I had two severe ones, and the doctor told me both times, you're better off if you break it. First off, don't <laughs> fucking tell me that. Like, I'm not a D1 athlete. You know what I mean? Like, just just tell me I got a high ankle sprain. But, like, yeah. they are they are tough. Now, he's at that age, and he's that type of athlete. So, And he's with the UT medical staff. So they'll get it rehabbed as, as quickly as possible. But let's hope it's not a high ankle sprain. Let's hope it's a – uh, a lower one, and at that age, you can recover quickly. But it's interesting what you say about Gunner. I, I hadn't heard that. That I mean, I know he's talented, but that's good that you know he's he's already thinking I want some balls. So you're right. This is up to him, and I think Juan Davis is the backup. So you know, this is also where Sark can play around. And and if JT's not in the lineup next week, they're going to scratch out the tight end probably and say, all right, we don't have to yeah. worry about covering that as much. And you know. You, you can draw up stuff to the tight end. So, but um, yeah, I'm um, 
I'm I'm pretty excited about next week and everything. I do want to uh, give a shout out to Clean Cause because we're going to check the uh, YouTube comment line here in a second. And Clean Cause does a lot of good stuff. I have, you know, BK talks about this stuff like it's the best thing out there. And we've gotten a lot of good feedback. They have eight delicious flavors um, of the organic sparkling types and it's zero calories. Uh, here's a great best thing. 50% of the net profits support addiction recovery to date. They've given over uh, 2 million, which is just awesome. So cleancause.com, they got a great product and they also do great things for, uh, for some people that are struggling out there. Uh, what other what what else that stood out to you just about the game or, or moving forward? Was there anything that because it was one of those tight games again where it felt like there was anxiety and then it also felt like just like that, you know, it was over with. Before history is written, it's played. Before it's frozen in time, it's fought one shift at a time. Before it's etched in silver, it's carved in ice. What happens next will last forever. The Stanley Cup Final on ABC and ESPN Plus begins Saturday. Um, I'm terrified about Burt Auburn right now. I think I know. I'm with you, man. I, I think he has the yips at this point. Like I, I think he's flat out in his head. It's mental. It's become mental, and that's the scariest thing that you want from a kicker. When it becomes yep. mental and, like, the kicks that you break in practice, you're going, like, 98%, and you hitting 60-yarders. But when those lights shine and you hear those fans in the stands and there's guys trying to block the kick and stuff, and you've missed a few already. I was concerned against Alabama, but I was like, okay, he missed one against Bama. It was, I want to say, like a 42, 45-yard-ish kick. It's against Bama. I understand that. When he smoked the one 26-yarder last week in Waco, KD, I was like, okay, this is kind of a problem. And me and Ship, we talk about it, and Ship's like, yeah, well, they're 4-0, so let's wait. And I'm like, Ship, yo, this is – I feel I just have a bad feeling just the way Bert Auburn looks. Chip says he's rushing it. I don't know. Like, I have no idea. But you missed two this week. The something's not year, working. Yeah, something's not working. Something is off. And there's going to be games where it's a lot tighter than 40 yeah. to 14 today, especially next week. You know next week anything could happen. It don't matter how good these teams are. Anything could happen in that game at the Cotton Bowl and the Red River shootout. So if it comes down to Burt Auburn having to make a kick, I have zero confidence in him. Zero. Zero. You're 5-0 and oh right now. It's not even nitpicking at this point. That is a legitimate problem. And yeah. if it's the yips, like, I don't know where Steve Sarkeesian could go. Like, you might have to get desperate and start going for it on fourth down where, you know, people are going to look at Sark and be like, dog, why aren't you taking the points? Uh, I don't trust my kicker right now. So yeah. I'm going to have to go for it. And you never want to be in those situations. You want your kicker to be locked in and ready to go every game. And you know it's going to be three once he gets gets out there and uses that foot. But right now, you can't trust what Sober Carrot Top's bringing to the table, man. He, he's a liability. He's a liability. Is he acting like oh, normal Carrot Top, man, with the porn addiction and the cocaine and stuff? Like, maybe he needs to cut the hair like Quinn Ewers. I don't know. But something ain't right. And he's getting NIA deals kevin he's a kicker what the hell's he getting nil deals for who are we he's a kicker that's what i'm saying stuff's stuff's getting too big for his head like no kicker get your money you deserve it get your money if it's out there burn all burn get yours i ain't knocking that but you gotta make the kicks though you gotta yeah. make the kicks though and if you're not that's your only job my friend hey when you're doing stand-up and you're a prop-based stand-up comedian like carrot top is you know, you've got to get your, you know, your, uh, your big, uh, you know, earphones or your Snickers that you have fun with yeah. people, you know, you, you know, you're a prop based comic. So he needs the NIL money. I, I'm hundred percent with you. And it's so strange because you and I are both Austinites. We've been watching these, you know, Texas forever. Like a lot of people uh, watching right now and listening. We appreciate that. Texas in their five and six years. And there were in the Southwest conference. I'm not sure we beat Odessa Permian year like those types of teams we always had a kicker i mean 
boy, what I would do to take Wayne Clements off one of those five win teams and fucking get his 1991 ass in here right now. You know what I mean? Yeah. yeah. We have Ryan Bailey out of Anderson, who was, I think, hanging out on campus. Was that the Greg hitting on chicks? And they're like, hey, dude, we, we heard you got a strong leg. And he's hitting 45 yarders for us in Lincoln right down the middle. I mean, Jeff Ward, we can go from Raul Allegre, heck, we can go from Burkslaven on. But we've had kickers our whole lifetime. When we've been dog shit, a three-win team, we got a kicker. John McEvitt, four-win team in 97, Phil Dawson. We always have a kicker, and now it feels like everything else is set up, and that's the one thing that, uh, that us Texas fans are worried about, and understandably so. Would you look somewhere else right now or no? Um, no, everything looks good. I want to see that this is the first time. Oh, no, no, no. I meant look somewhere else for a kicker. I don't, I don't oh, know. Oh. You probably follow it more in terms of if there's someone else on, on the roster, they feel like can do that. Or, you know, you always get to that point where I don't know if they're right. there yet, where you start looking for, for soccer kids and you do crap. Right. I don't know. I hope somebody asked Sark today in the presser. I told Chip, yo, Chip, you might want to ask that question on the Thursday Zoom about Bert yeah. Auburn if he's all right. Like, somebody's going to ask him at this point. You got to. Month from you got three more pressers with Sark. You got after the game today, that's going to be online, whatever. You got Monday, then you got Thursday. Somebody's going to have to ask him about Bert Auburn because this is getting ridiculous. Yeah. I don't know what they have. They have any backups or anybody they're comfortable with, but – yeah, man, like from last year, what we saw with him, he was solid. You thought you had confidence in the guy coming into 2023, but, oh, man, like if, if it's mental, that's scary. That's very scary. Yeah, you hope it's mechanical. The one thing about that, though, that's always strange is that it's the, one of the few positions where you really have no one on staff who knows what the fuck they're talking about, right? I mean, you know, even if, you know, Jeff Banks is a good special teams coach, but – or he has been, but I'm not sure that he, you know, he's not Chris Saylor. It's almost like they all have their, they all have their own personal coach and you may got to fly that guy in if it is something mechanical, if he is rushing stuff. But yeah, I mean, at this point, obviously you just try and reset his confidence and that'll be something that Texas fans are, um, are obviously looking, looking at. So, Hey, we gave the offensive MVP. That was from Verde's Mexican Perea. And that was, clearly ends up having to be uh, Jonathan Brooks. What about the offensive play of the game? Because we can do we can do a couple of different deals here. I'm gonna I'm gonna give this one to you. What are you thinking? Um I would say Jonathan Brooks 58 yard run. Okay. Second half. I Second would say half. that yeah I would say that kind of yeah that definitely blew things open and kind of took the life out of the Jayhawks to where they were just like yeah I don't think we're going to be able to stop these guys man like that was a big time play and Jonathan Brooks having that breakout speed and just showing that he's the man now again 218 yards that yeah. is huffing it up the field like that dude was a man on a mission and I've been saying it all season long like Sark the coming out and throwing three times and going three and out and stuff against teams of the likes of Rice and Wyoming that ain't it bro that ain't it if teams are gonna drop eight and only rush three make them pay you saw it a lot last year Quinn Ewers just having difficulty with those uh, um, three, five, five schemes and stuff like that. Like, uh, it's just struggling, just really struggling out there because they're just dropping so many guys. They want to take away that deep shot and not trusting your run game. Last year, yes, this offensive line was a lot younger. This year, those guys, they're ready to go. Christian Jones talking about this offensive line winning the award for best offensive line in the nation. Well, you've got to have some pretty good run stats from your running back to do that. So, yeah, I think they turned a huge page this week in their run game. And you talked about just being two-dimensional. The versatility of this offense makes them scary as I don't know what. And they're getting better from week to week. And you've got to love that, KD. No, you do. And you're right. I mean, it, it's really about the offensive line, because I think when they when they, you saw the three, three, five or the flyover last year, that, that it, the offensive line was better, but they still really couldn't create the type of holes they are doing right now. And now teams know they're going to run and they're still able to enforce their will. So it, it's been fun to see. And who would have thought that the Texas offensive line may be winning the Joe Moore award or winning winning that award as the top offensive line in the country. But they may be that team as we sit here 
after the end of week four or five, whatever it is. So the offensive play of the game is brought to you by Hat Creek Burger Company. Hat Creek, man, they're celebrating their 15th birthday this month. It's uh, become really an Austin staple. They got places all over the place. They got 26 locations across Texas, Austin, Dallas, Houston, San Antonio, Temple, Waco. You're looking for a burger. They got a good one and also a good spot for the kids to go play. So it's a great spot for parents to drink and eat and act like they're parenting, Zay. <laughs> living good, man. That's living good. No doubt about it. Um, all right. So we've given uh, given the offensive and defensive or sort of the offensive play of the game and MVP. What about defensive MVP? Because I'm looking at Jalen. That'd be my guy. Is there is there anyone else you go with on that or no? You talking about Jalen Ford? Yeah, Jalen Ford. I think he led him in with seven total tackles. He had one tackle for loss. Um, I mean, there's it, probably a couple of different directions you could go on this, but I, I would probably go Ford. Yeah, I would say Jalen Catalan. This might have been oh, his you know best what? game. I like that. Only yeah. three tackles, but man, did he come up and 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 they were they were. That was what we thought of, and really he's been like that all year. But that was Jalen Catalan at Arkansas. Yeah, they were three big-time tackles. And his coverage no was good, too. Like, again, if we were in the right place at the right time, then that should have been a fumble recovery because he yeah. just rocked Jason Bean's world. And he had a couple of – you know, other tackles where he was just flying in like a missile, making direct shots. And yeah, that dude, I think just on the limited snaps that he's playing is huge for him because you worry about with his history of being injured a lot. How would that work him playing a full season and being healthy? Well, Steve Sarkeesian said in one of his pressers this past week, he's very confident in playing five guys at safety, Derek Williams, Michael Taft, Jaron Thompson, Keaton Crawford, even though he got absolutely toasted by Wilson on that long 50-something yard pass to make it uh, 20 to 14, but he's been solid. And then Jalen Catalan, like you have a lot of confidence in all five of those guys to come in and be productive. Like Michael Taft, he had a big hit, the Westlake alum, yep. uh, you know, on Jason Bean in the backfield or one of the running backs, I don't know. But yeah, this secondary, including the safeties, they've been locked in and they've been solid. A couple of missed opportunities here or there, but Pekowski, they get them fixed then it doesn't stay consistent they get those mistakes fixed and 14 points man going five and oh you gotta love how pk has just made all the right decisions in this defense playing as one yeah no i like that call because uh ford ford was all over the place and i knew linebackers were going to be important with a lot of the eye candy they throw at you and he played really well but yeah i mean there's not much separation in terms of total numbers and just the eyeball would tell you Catalan the way he played. Uh, man, that guy gets downhill and he gets downhill quickly. He was a great addition. I, I loved the addition. My only question was, will the shoulder hold up? And and look, for, for some of the guys that have been injury prone, knock on wood, they haven't gotten injured yet heading into OU. We'll see where Sanders is. We'll see where Watts is. I, I doubt Hudson will be back, but I think they've been okay with, with DJ Campbell there. But Really, really good to see Catalan playing the way he is, and really the secondary in general. You mentioned the one long bomb the Texas gave up. They're in zone coverage, and Jade Barron was not covering him. He's in zone, yeah. but it's almost like he could have gotten, he could have redirected him a little bit or slowed him down. I think he was within the five yards. He's a defender in 2023, so he may have, you know, barely breathed on him and looked at him. <laughs> And he would have been taken down to APD. But uh, but usually you want to try and redirect that a little bit. Because, man, when a guy has a full sprint to a flat-footed safety, I mean, Keaton got burned. But that's – at some point I look at the DC, I'm like, man, that's on you. Yeah. Yeah, and that was a good play by Lance Leipold and that crew. I mean, they saw what Texas was doing in the first half, and they knew that, okay, these guys, they're going to try to stop that option type stuff that we were running that they were kind of productive on in the first half, and Texas kind of got bit on it. But just the adjustments after that, you didn't see any of those mistakes. And shout-out to Gavin Holmes, Malik Muhammad, Terrence Brooks, like those guys. When Ryan Watts goes out the game, they were solid. You know, those receivers for Kansas, they've been lighting everybody else up 
like against Illinois and against BYU, they did a hell of a job, you know, Skinner and Leonard and Graham. Those guys are some of the most underrated receivers in the Big 12. And to have the game that they had, hey, that's impressive for Texas to take that away. Now, I know people are saying, but Jay, Jalen Daniels didn't play. It would have been different. Yeah, possibly. But Jason Bean might be the best backup quarterback in the Big 12. Like, if you go look at Kansas and, you know, just kind of scout what they do, Jason Bean's in a lot of scouting reports on how good he is and just how experienced he is coming from North Texas playing three years there. And then last year when Jalen Daniels went out, he kind of held his own at times too. So Jason Bean, it's not like he's a scrub or anything, but you haven't seen just that big-time quarterback face this defense yet. And the first test might be Dylan Gabriel next week. Jalen Catalan, our defensive MVP of the game. That's brought to you by Kenfield Golf Cars. If you're in the market for a new pre-owned golf cart, this is the spot to go. It's Kenfield Golf Cars. They've been around since 1979. They've been doing it old school for a long time. You can get to uh, KenfieldGolfCars.com or you can give them a call at 512-258-8518. We appreciate all of our sponsors. Y'all have made this fun. You see them up there, audio-visual uh, clean calls we talked about earlier, covert BK, salt traders, great people, people on the bottom too. Don't want to leave you all out, but um, we appreciate everyone who's been a big, big part of this. Check out any other national games. You check out uh, USC in Colorado at all? Yeah, I did. Caleb Williams. It looks like he's about to go Archie Griffin again because he's so, like that dude. I, I hope Quinn Ewers just gets to New York at this point, but I kind of just counted him out. If the Horns keep winning, then Quinn Ewers should get there. But as far as winning that thing, it looks like Caleb Williams, it's his to lose, man. Just how he moves around in the pocket, how he keeps his head up and just makes any type of throw off any platform. Like, that dude's impressive. And I could get why there's teams in the NFL thinking about tanking for him. Like, that dude is that good. But shout out to Colorado for coming back a little bit and making it a game. They, They fought. I mean, Colorado is – they're such a weird team because they have – they're not a top – I'm not sure they're a top 60 offensive line. Like, their offensive line is so bad. What Shadur Sanders is able to do impresses me every week, probably outside of Oregon, although I didn't hold that against them. But I think it says a lot about Colorado coming back. I mean, they're a three-and-two team that could easily be two-and-three, and they're missing one of their best players, if not their best player, who plays both ways. And – they just continue to fight. But also USC, as we're looking at the top 10 landscape, they just have not figured out that defense, have they, Zay? No, they haven't. Alex Grant, <laughs> man, he struggled for a while under Lincoln Riley, and I know that's his guy, but, man. And you got, you know, that's not like the defense. They don't play hard for them. It's just they're out of position a lot, yeah. and that they give up a ton of points. Yeah, they're not the best tacklers and stuff. Like you heard one of those – defensive players in the post game talk about yo it's us it's not Alex Grinch everybody wants to blame him and stuff uh, I think a little bit's on Alex Grinch but I appreciate you young fella for trying to protect right. your character yeah, that's some serious team camaraderie there right. but yeah like that's I don't know if they go to the Pac-12 tournament and play a team like Washington I don't know if they're on the schedule. I don't think so. But if they go to the championship game and have Washington there with Michael Penix and the way those receivers look right now, that could be ugly for them because that's a team that just could score on anybody. So, yeah, Colorado, they fought back. And Caleb Williams, it took him six touchdowns for them to get that dub. But there's going to be times where Caleb Williams might struggle a little bit. And if that defense struggles too, and I could easily see in the Trojans getting got. Yeah, I mean, I'm not sure anyone goes undefeated in the Pac-12. I mean, Colorado may will probably finish with a losing record. And it's still – heck, they've already tripled what they did last year. So it's already – and just the pub they've gotten alone. Uh, that thing's moving in the right direction. You know, you got Oregon leading Stanford right now, 7-6. That's, uh, you know, with eight minutes to go. LSU and Old Miss are in a shootout at the half. Um, it it kind of – What we saw today and what we're seeing real time right now is this is just a wide open college football season. A&M did beat Arkansas 34-22. I don't know if you saw, I mean, Michigan 
ends up blowing out a really bad Penn State or I'm sorry, Nebraska team. I mean, maybe you're looking at Michigan and Texas as your two most impressive teams that have really been week in and week out. Texas would have more impressive wins, though. Um, maybe you throw Penn State and Washington in there. There are a couple different teams you can throw in there. But, man, this just feels wide open. It not only feels wide open with the scores, it feels wide open with our eyes. And we've watched long enough to, to know when you see a Georgia from last year or someone who just really separates from the pack. I don't see that much separation right now. Yeah, and what Texas doesn't necessarily have to deal with, like those teams in the Pac-12 or in the SEC slash Big Ten, like Michigan's going to have to play Ohio State and Penn State. So yeah, I know. With, you know, we'll, making we'll it. We'll find out with them, right? Yeah, we'll find out with them. While Texas, after Oklahoma, if they could get by them, then, yo, it's just sunshine the rest of the way. That's yep. all it is. That's why I don't think if any team loses in the Big 12, I can't see the committee putting them in the CFP. I just can't. It's too weak right now, and there's just too many good teams in the Pac-12 and the Big 10 and the SEC, maybe not as much as previous season the SEC, but I could see them choosing a couple of SEC teams over the Big 12 team that wins it all if they have multiple losses. So Texas, they can't afford to mess up or just, you know, take anybody likely. And I just think the leadership on this squad, I can't talk about that enough, KD. Like the yeah. Johnny Barons of the world, they just have so much swagger and confidence. You, The way they talk, like they're just so locked in. And I know I say that word a lot, but it's true. Like Steve Sarkeesian, he talked about before the season, this team just talking the way he talks. The philosophy's getting there. Everybody is buying in to what the culture is supposed to be here in year three. And we saw that today in the 40 to 14 matchup. So now when you have adversity, when some of your best players on both sides might not be available for probably the biggest game of the year, can you still get dubs? Can you still bring in those second string guys with how deep you are and have confidence to not change the playbook that much? You're going to have to tweak it a little bit because JT Sanders is just a ridiculous, you know, specimen of an athlete, but can you make those adjustments now when there's adversity on the table with guys being out that you've relied on for so long? And if we see that, then I think that shows how good this Texas team really is. Yeah, I mean, I'm so I'm fired up. They dominated today. They're, they they did everything all of us would have wanted. Say, hey, be five and zero going into Dallas. Give yourself a real chance. And you couldn't have scripted the rest of the college football environment to be more set up. But man, JT, he he's like on my top three list of he's just a, a, a game changer. And with threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. And a guy who changes just the way a whole defense guards you and looks at you. Texas still has a lot of weapons, so, so Sark's going to have a whole week, assuming JT doesn't play. We don't know what the prognosis is. My guess would be no, but I'm not going to play Dr. Trey Elling here uh, <laughs> on, on, the, on the pod. So, you know, I'll, I'll say a bunch of prayers for him tonight, and we'll see where that turns out. But they've got plenty of weapons to go do other stuff, and Jonathan Brooks is one of those weapons. And – obviously worthy and Mitchell and just think about all the different heck there's guys beyond that where John Tay cook and let's not forget about um, um, uh, Helm either. who's someone who sh has shown a lot of talent is the guy that, that really could be someone who could step up. So the, really the main thing though, it's about the two lines lines of scrimmage. They've been different this year. And if they show up in Dallas next week, the way they have and force Oklahoma to be one dimensional, you know, the thing about Oklahoma, they're tied with Iowa State right now very early on at seven. I've watched them, watched them against Cincy. I don't really know how good they are. They, it's one of those where they, they've looked better. They've looked improved. They had a long way to go defensively to do that. But I know they're improved defensively. The question is how much, and a lot like this Kansas run defense that have been really good 
up until this point, do they run into a run game in an offensive line that's too much for them? Yeah, I don't know if Oklahoma's had the weapons like they've had in recent years, especially when Lincoln Riley was running the show up there in Norman and Texas. They got to use that to their advantage. If they have the better players, then you should go up to the Cotton Bowl and you should just beat the brakes off those dudes. No questions asked. And You know, you're right. I watched that Cincinnati game last week, too. Like Emory Jones wasn't good. Cincinnati quarterback. He wasn't good at all. They got to the red zone multiple times and there were missed kicks and Reed Jones threw, threw an interception that wasn't necessarily an Oklahoma player making a great play. It was more Emory Jones making such a bad read. So yeah, you don't know what this Oklahoma team is really like, but that game is just so unpredictable. You could go in thinking all oh, this and that, look at the stats. They favor Texas and stuff, and then it could be a completely different game based on what Oklahoma might throw at you. So you got to be prepared for everything. And, yeah, like I said earlier, Gunnar Helm, this is your chance. This is your chance to show that, hey, you're worthy of being one of the top players on this team and getting more playing time. And I don't know if Sark's going to change things up by maybe going more 20 personnel or 10 personnel where you don't have as many tight ends on the field and more wide receivers since JT is out. I don't know, more two-back sets. I don't know. You could do a lot with this offense. Like, they're that versatile. And you mentioned Jonte Cook, who had a huge catch today. He had another big catch, just like he did last week in Waco. So, those wide receivers, I know we're not seeing Isaiah Nair very often, but you could tell Steve Sarkeesian has confidence in the freshmen to come in at different points of the game and make plays, and that's very exciting. So, Jordan Winneton, he's still – you know, doing his thing. He might not got many touches today, but he's still out there. And then Adonai Mitchell, like he should have big games like this. Xavier Worthy, he's just so fast. You have to pay a lot of attention to him. So guys like Adonai Mitchell, Jordan Winnington, this run game, now Gunnar Helms and JT Sanders is out. They should benefit off of those things when Xavier Worthy's getting those bracket coverages and double teams and stuff. And I think Quinn Ewers now is at a mature level to where he says okay I don't have to force it to number one because we know he's our main guy I could give it to the rest of these guys and that's going to open up everything for everyone no you know I think Whittington's probably where you go if Sanders is out that's a guy who does does really good intermediate work he finds soft zones and can sit Uh, we've seen that on third and seven over the last couple years he's a guy that Quinn can trust runs good in routes, out routes. And like I said, sometimes we'll just sit in zone and feel it. So that's probably, probably where you go. But really for me, it's about, you know, if the defense plays the way they have, it kept them in every game when the offense has maybe been spinning a little bit. And then the offense has got it going in every game at some point, but the defense shows up next week. They should be in a good spot. Let's get to our defensive play of the game. And that is brought to you by Moonshine Patio Bar and Grill. You guys know about Moonshine. Uh, Definitely takes you back to a simpler time. It's just a great spot. It's comfortable. It's familiar. It's good food. um, And they're celebrating 20 years in business. So they want to thank all of Austin for your support during that time. Go get a fantastic dinner. Check out the weekend brunch. That's a big Hit. They got two locations downtown, went to that one a bunch, and the one in Avery Ranch. You can get to moonshinegrill.com. You're more than welcome to call BS or say, KD, we're making a change. But for me, defensive play of the game, I feel like it's it's two in a row. It's the third down stop on third and short, and then the fourth down fumble, right? You're up seven, and th- those but the third down stop on third and short got them to fourth down and forced them to call a timeout and to have just a disorganized play that usually you don't see from a Kansas offense. And no matter how that happened, those two plays to me will wrap them in one as one big play sequence from Moonshine. That was a ball game right there because Texas went down, scored. They showed the running back, too. Did you see on the sideline after that? Oh, he was hurt. Daniel Highshaw, he was hurt. Yeah, he's done. Ball game. And done and probably me, you know? Yeah. Never a good feeling. You got anything else outside of that one? No, that's it for me, too, man. You know, everybody's going to look at this game, especially national media, and say, oh, Jalen Daniels didn't play. So, no wonder the score was 40-14. to But – this Kansas Jayhawk 
team just not from the quarterback standpoint. They got a lot of talent, man. Like their running yeah. backs, Devin Neal and Daniel Hodgshaw, they're going to win those Jayhawks a lot of games just because they're so dynamic, a little thunder and lightning that they bring to the table. So shout out to Pete Kukowski and this Texas defense for – getting kind of mucked up in the first quarter, especially with that triple option, and then tightening up in the second half. You didn't see many rushing yards. Well, a lot because Kansas was throwing the ball and they had to come back that way. But, hey, they were stopping the run, and that was a huge play. Like Baron Sorrell, he would have been there if Daniel Hyshaw didn't fumble that ball. It wasn't like it would have yep. been a first down. Baron Sorrell right. would have had that tackle, and he was the reason why Hyshaw wasn't able to jump on it, and John A. Barron was. And then, as you mentioned, just going back down, on the offensive end and Jonathan Brooks getting that touchdown and that was the ball game so yeah they just they're wearing teams down man they are they're Dave down. that's the best way to put it they're wearing teams down it's very hard to you know go into the fourth quarter and guys are just coming in and out of the game and they're just so fresh and huge guys like Byron Murphy and Ber Vernon Broughton and Javondre Sweat and Alfred Collins they're just so fresh on the field so they're able to cause disruption the whole entire game and quarterbacks have really struggled with that now again we haven't seen many starting quarterbacks these five games but the quarterbacks that we have seen have really struggled because of the pressure that this defense is getting on there so you know Bo Davis he's done a hell of a job you know he doesn't take no shit from nobody and these guys they love playing for oh, him. I, hey by the way I listened to that busting someone replayed it on Twitter this morning oh it's this is one of the greatest things in Texas football history yeah I know I mean this this is part of being an old man you're getting there say I'm taking a deuce sitting there at 6 45 in the morning drinking coffee I mean it's like you know I mean, somewhere like Fred Sanford's like, whoa, that's old man stuff. But yeah. um, I'm sitting there and and like going through Twitter and I'm just playing this left and right, you know, like, I mean, that that got me so, so fired up to uh, just for the game at seven o'clock in the morning, whatever it was like that. But it did kind of take me back to that, man, this coaching staff and Bo and other guys like that, they had to reset a culture here, you know, because like Bo Davis went off. You know, if you don't know what we're talking about, it was, I think, what the Iowa State game yeah. first year. And, you know, there's a someone records it, some player, but he's on the bus and is screaming at guys. I mean, MFing guys and saying, I'm sick of this shit. It's not happening anymore. What are y'all laughing for? And they had to reset the culture. And I think it's safe to say, I don't know how they finish off this year. The culture is reset, man. Yeah. It is. Like, this is a nasty group. That front line, they are a nasty bunch, and everybody's hungry to make some plays, man, and that's what you want. Like, David Benda, a lot of questions that we had in the offseason, KD, was who was going to be on the other side of Jalen Ford. We know right. what the first team all Big 12 linebacker brings to the table, but with Dave Benda, would he be up for the task being the fifth-year senior? Is he ready to replace a DeMarvion Overshone? Is Anthony Hill mature enough to get the reps that he's getting? And it's a yes. Like, both of those guys have stepped up and been – big for this defensive success and just all those holes and question marks that we had in the offseason. Oh, Bijan and Roshan are gone. What's going to happen? Jonathan Brooks had 218 yards today, like right. against a great opponent. You know what I'm saying? Like, I – they didn't have anybody missing on defense. They might have missed their quarterback. They weren't missing anybody on defense. So to gut them like you did last year, basically, like that's exciting that you just got to be optimistic with what we've talked about, all the parity around college football, not just, you know, in the Big 12 where Texas looks like they reign supreme right now. That gives you a lot of confidence that this team could keep on working and keep on getting better and keep on handling their business. So if anything crazy happens, you don't have the committee making ridiculous decisions because they don't think you beat a high quality team. No, beat everybody, beat them handedly, 
and move on to the next week. Like it's been very business approach for this Texas Longhorn team. And I love the mentality from the coaching staff to the players, to everybody involved. Everybody looks like they know what's at stake and we're seeing it on the field from week to week, even though we haven't necessarily seen perfect games from week to week. They're five and zero. that's all we could ask for at this point going into Texas OU. And I like their chances next week too. I really do. I'm making that right there because that was a, the best thing said here and, and really well put. Uh, Paul Motors Works, final word of the game. Paul Motors Works has been repairing foreign and domestic cars in Austin since 2000. They've been around a long time. Uh, they specialize in BMWs, Mini Coopers, Mercedes Benz, Audis, Volkswagen, but they do a lot of different stuff. So check them out at pmwaustin.com. And that was a great final word right there. You got anything else on this before we wrap it up? Nah, man, just five and oh, that's Feeling all good, isn't it, man? I know it's, all, like, it's been a minute, it's been a minute. I'm not gonna lie, it's been a minute. What's so great is to like, I'm gonna go watch the rest of college football and some baseball, but I don't have to flip over whenever they go. So, anyway, earlier on today, no, 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 you know, I can watch college football final tonight. Uh, I mean, it's nice being undefeated and playing well, you know. Yeah, and this is what we should be used to. Like, we know Texas fans, when it gets to that wine and cheese mode, like, that's what I hate about this area. We're not seeing that right now because this team is doing what they're supposed to do. With all the resources that you have at the University of Texas, what we've seen the last decade and some change has been unacceptable. So to be here at 5-0 and and confident about your coach and where you're going, going to the SEC, your quarterback, you don't have any of those questions about the backups coming in because of bad quarterback play, questions about horrible defensive coordinators and just you know not enough depth and stuff like we don't have that right now and it's so refreshing especially covering this team you've covered them for a long time and i know you gotta be relieved and just being five and oh right now with just so much at stake this texas team is at the right spot right now they really are and it's nothing like going to ou and being undefeated and having more than just beating ou on the line and texas will definitely have that we'll see if ou will be undefeated but at this point, Texas shouldn't give a shit about that. You know, I don't care if you lost to Iowa State, you're undefeated. I don't care what you think you have going on. We got bigger stuff going on. So we'll be back on the air. Texas Sports Unfiltered, 8 o'clock. Uh, you got Bucky and BK. That'll be Monday. And then don't forget, obviously, you can catch Zay and Chip at 1 o'clock. But we got shows all the way from 8 until 5, Monday through Friday. We got a great product. We want to thank all of our sponsors. For Zay Collier, uh, I'm Kevin Dunn. Y'all have a great and safe weekend, and hook them. Hook them.